If you have a Bible with you, you might like to turn to uh, the book of Acts, chapter 2. And I'm reading from verse 42, Acts 2, and reading from verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions and good, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke, break, broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Let's pray together. If you've uh, been with us the last few weeks, um, we've been in the story of Pentecost, and uh, we called it the dangerous story of Pentecost. Uh, Dangerous because, uh, you know, when you're preaching on the, uh, the festivals, you, you preach on the festivals, uh, year in, year out. And, uh, we look at these same stories. And it's dangerous because they can become familiar. Uh, they can also, it can also be dangerous because we can, we can look back and we can think that things were better in those days than they are today. And certainly Pentecost is one of those situations where, you know, we might think, oh, if we could only get back to that kind of church, that kind of uh, uh, time, uh, wouldn't it be great? And so a dangerous story, the story of Pentecost. And uh, we began by looking at the promise of Pentecost, uh, the fact that it was promised that it would happen. We looked at the picture of Pentecost. We looked at uh, that the chaos uh, that occurred uh, it was like, more like Pentecost when the Holy Spirit fell on the disciples and uh, the tongues of flame and the wind and the, uh, the speaking in strange languages. And then we looked at the posture of Pentecost and we, uh, we, we saw what the disciples, how they positioned themselves, that they were all together and in one place. And then a couple of weeks ago we were looking at Peter's Pentecost preach and uh, we said although it wasn't very PC that we were going to use PCs, and we talked about uh, the power to preach clearly, uh, we talked about the power to proclaim Christ, and we looked at the power to produce converts. And so this morning we're finishing this short little mini-series on Pentecost as we look at the end of Acts chapter 2, and we're looking at the fact that the disciples were better together. Whenever you're preaching on the, on the same passage year after year, there's a sense in which you want to try and find something uh, different, something new, and uh, maybe something that you haven't noticed before uh, in the passage. And, and I guess the, as I was looking at, at this story, one of the, the words that kind of stood out in the, in the whole of chapter 2 was this idea that the disciples were together, that the Holy Spirit coming, instead of separating the disciples, it seemed to push them closer together. And uh, 
We see it in, in the fact that when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And you might recall that we said, you know, you can be in one place and not together, or you can be together and, in, and not in one place. And the disciples were together and in one place. That word together, you know, we are better together. Uh, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. This wasn't an individual spiritual experience. Uh, all of them experienced that filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, no doubt in your Christian life, if you've been a, a Christian for any amount of time, you will have met people who, who claim that they're filled with the Holy Spirit and there are Christians that aren't filled with the Holy Spirit. And some people seem to think they, as an individual, their church, has some kind of monopoly on the Holy Spirit. And what we see at Pentecost is that everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit. It happened to all the disciples. Nobody was left out. There wasn't one disciple who, who didn't get filled with the Holy Spirit. And uh, nobody can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So all of them, they were together. And, and notice again, uh, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. We'll uh, expand on that a little bit more. But I want you to see that this was something that they did together again. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. Again, notice it wasn't just one or two people that happened to feel this awe. It happened to everyone, all in that same place, all filled by the Holy Spirit, all enthusiastic to learn together about the apostles' teaching. And as we, as we move into the passage that we're looking at this morning... Again, we see that all the believers were together and had everything in common. I think you've probably got this idea now, that this idea of being together is there throughout Acts. But just to, uh, just to press the point, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. I didn't think I'd try and get us to sing a song. Uh, I don't know if you know the, uh, the Pet Shops Boys song, you know. Go West, together. Do, 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 do. Together. I thought I could get you to do that. I, I could do the lines and you could come in with the together. But uh, I, I can see you don't really want to go with that. <laughs> we, they broke bread in their homes and ate. You've got the idea. Together with glad and sincere hearts. And so we see that the Holy Spirit... Um, you know, whenever there is the, the churches that separate and fall out, I can guarantee you one thing, it's not the Holy Spirit that does that. It isn't the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit brings believers together. And so this morning we're thinking about the fact that we are better together. Um, the church isn't to be full of lone ranger Christians that are, are going off and doing their own things. Uh, we're in this together. And uh, Acts chapter 2, and certainly this, uh, these last few verses, show how the disciples were together. The activities named teaching, fellowship, breaking bread and prayers were all corporate activities, things the church did together. Things that the church did together. So we are better together. And the first thing I want to say this morning is that we mature together in learning. We mature together in learning. And this is about 
preaching and teaching. Now, I don't know about you, but you might not get that excited about um, about the idea of, of preaching and teaching. Um, you might not uh, be as excited or as devoted. It says that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Devoted is a strong word, isn't it? It has that kind of sense of uh, a real commitment to something. Um, to be, you know, we, we talk about people being totally devoted to one another. You know, perhaps in, in marriage or in friendship. That there's a, a devotion that, that says that this is something that people are really committed to. And we read that they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. All of them wanted to learn about what the apostles had to teach them. This wasn't just, again, notice, it was all of them. It wasn't just one or two people that were really interested in, in the Bible and wanting to get underneath the text and exploit it a bit further. Oh yeah, so-and-so, he's really into the Bible, he's really interested in, in the Bible, he knows the Bible. No, it wasn't just one or two people. All of them together wanted to know what the apostles had to teach them. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. They didn't say, hey, we've got the Holy Spirit now. We don't need, we don't need to do this learning thing. We don't need to explore the Bible because we've got the Spirit with us. So we don't need to, we don't need to study. We don't need to do that. They didn't say that at all. They were devoted to the apostles' teaching. Becoming a fully devoted follower of Jesus means that you will want to know what the Bible has to say. You won't just leave it to the, to, to the one or two people who, who sometimes get, you know, the experts in, in, in exploring the Bible, uh, tagged onto their name. You'll want to know for yourself. So that you can engage with people in, in, in the community, at work, when people have questions, that you can bring something of the meaning of the Bible into the conversation, that it isn't something that you don't know anything about. It's something that you've engaged with and explored. Uh, we mature together in learning. Um, like I said, some people are, are, are probably not don't find the, the sermon part of the, the service the most exciting part of the service. It might not be the part of the service that you think, yeah, you know, uh, sometimes people say, oh, I wish the worship had gone on a, a little bit longer, meaning that the part when we're singing. But it's very rarely when people say, oh, you know, I wish the sermon had gone on just a little bit longer. Why didn't you preach for an extra 10 or 20 minutes? Um, but the early disciples really wanted to know about this God that they had committed themselves to. They wanted to know about the teachings of Jesus that had been passed on to the disciples and the disciples were passing on to them. They were devoted. Uh, and we do mature together. It's much more interesting learning together. That's why we're always encouraging people to get into house groups because we want people to engage together with scripture. We want people to come together in learning. We want people to learn from one another, to share experiences and to tackle those difficult subjects. That's why in Cafe Church, uh, I don't make any apology for coming back to this, you know, issue uh, uh, about uh, homosexuality. It's, it's a topical issue uh, that we need to grapple with and we need to understand what the Bible has to say. And so we grapple with issues like that together and, uh, and we talk about it and we thrash things out and we look at the Bible and we try to discern together 
what the Bible says. And that's what the, uh, the early church did uh, in, uh, in, in being together in learning. And then secondly, uh, we struggle together in caring. And this is about caring and sharing. Now, everybody likes the idea of belonging, don't they, to a community. We all like the idea of, of belonging together in a, in a community. What we probably uh, are a little, le- little, little less enthusing about is um, the commitment it takes and the hard work it takes to belong to a community. The idea of community <clears throat> uh, attracts and repels us at the same time. We long for that life-affirming benefits that community can bestow on us, but sometimes we resist the demands that community makes on us. Oops, going the wrong way. <clears throat> Terrible, wasn't it? Going back. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. And to the fellowship. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. What a strange group of people. They, uh, they shared everything that they had. Now, um, you know, if we were to do that today, some people would think this is great if we're going to just pool everything we've got uh, and, and share together. Other people um, might think it's less great depending on your own personal circumstances. If you haven't got a lot, you'd think it was great. Uh, if you have got a lot, you might not think it's quite so great. And uh, there was something about that early community uh, that they weren't just... It, they weren't just speaking, it wasn't just speak, you know, oh, we are, we're, we're together, we're a community. They actually acted it out. So if somebody in the community had a need, they saw it as their responsibility to meet that need. And surely this is what uh, community ought to be about. Where if one part of the community hurts, we all hurt. Where if one part of the community is celebrating, we all celebrate. Because we are together. And uh, in the early church, we see this in a very practical way. Uh, but I put we struggle together in caring because it is a struggle, isn't it? To care for one another. It's not an easy thing to do. And uh, as we said in this idea of it being a dangerous story, there's a danger that we look back and we think, this community was, was perfect, uh, they had everything in common. Uh, they shared together. There wasn't a need that wasn't met. This seems like the perfect church. And there's a danger in thinking that was the case because, um, you know, actually we don't have to go very far into the book of Acts to, to find out that this was a far from perfect church. Um, you know, we only need to go into, into Acts chapter 3 and 4 and the church is starting to be persecuted. We move into Acts chapter 5 and 6 and we find out that the people are starting to complain. Imagine that, a church where people started to complain. Right, It goes right back to the beginning of the church. People were complaining. In fact, it goes back further, doesn't it, than the, than the, than the start of the church. Uh, you know, when Moses was, uh, was wandering through the deserts, uh, the Israelites were famous for the fact that they were always moaning. 
You know, God has taken us out of Egypt and now we're stuck in this desert and we're wandering around and all we've got is manna to eat. The people of God have always been very good at complaining. And, uh, and so we shouldn't look back and think the church was a perfect church because it wasn't a perfect church because it had people in it. And whenever you get a community of people together, you're not going to get perfection, you know. Um, if you're looking for the perfect church and you find it, don't join it because you'll ruin it if you join it. It'll no longer be perfect. Um, you know, sometimes I'm a governor at school and uh, sometimes when we sit there in our governor's meeting and there's obviously no children there and, and they say, you know, sometimes you, you, know, you, you make the joke or the, the, the school would run a lot better if it, if it wasn't for the kids. Uh, but of course the whole purpose of school is for the kids and of course sometimes you know as ministers you might think well the church would run a lot better uh, if it wasn't for the congregation but actually the church is the congregation uh, we are the church and uh, as I said it wasn't long in, into the book of Acts before they were complaining that uh, some people were being overlooked and uh, it was a serious thing then and it's a serious thing now and, uh, you know, we're, we're not perfect. Sometimes we miss out on things that we should see. Uh, sometimes we, we don't meet every need in the, in the fellowship. And, and sometimes people do complain. And I always smile in the sense when, when people complain about the church, especially when it's people that belong to the church, because really you're complaining about yourself, aren't you? Because we are the church. Sometimes it's easy, isn't it, to talk about the church as if it's something over here. And, you know, it's a terrible thing because the, the church isn't doing this, the church isn't doing that. As if we were talking about something else where actually we are the church. You and I, we're the church. So why don't you turn to the person next to you and just say, we are the church. We are the church. Together, we are the church. So whenever you complain about yourself or when anybody complains to you about the church, just remind them in a nice, not in a nasty way, but in a nice and a sensitive and caring way that we are the church, you know. So you are complaining about something that you are part of. And of course, none of us are perfect. Uh, we all have uh, imperfections. And together, we are better and we are stronger and we can do so much more, but we're not going to reach perfection. But that isn't going to stop us trying. That isn't going to stop us trying. Uh, when I first uh, came to this church, I will always remember my first uh, pastoral meeting. Uh, we gathered together, uh, quite a small group, uh, and uh, the first thing on, on the agenda was actually closing the pastoral meeting. Because now we'd got a minister, uh, there was no need for this pastoral group because the minister uh, was going to do all the caring and visiting. And, and somebody, uh, I wouldn't name that person, and, and they're not here this morning, so it's okay, and I'm sure they would smile with me, uh, suggested that that was going to be the case. I said, well, actually, I think we need more people in this group uh, rather than less if we're really going to be serious about the pastoral care in the church. I certainly can't do it on my own. And even in this small group, we're going to need more people. And uh, in the time that I've been here, it's been good to see that group grow and develop. And we're always looking to add to people because caring for people is a struggle. It's hard work. Uh, making sure that we are aware of people's needs. 
And uh, every person here is on somebody's pastoral list. Uh, you have somebody who is pastorally responsible for you. But that doesn't mean that they're going to they, they, be perfect in, in, in the way that they care, but it does mean that they're going to try and look out for you and make sure people are aware of the needs within this church. So we do struggle together in caring. And it is about caring and sharing. And I like this, uh, this quote from this book, Messy Spirituality. We're, we, we, we're trying to do messy church, aren't we, as a church? And we, we think messy church is just for kids. Well, I think messy church is for everybody because I think church is messy. And this guy, Michael Yonakaneli, uh, he says this. He says, after 45 years of trying to follow Jesus, I keep losing him in the crowded business of my life. I know Jesus is there somewhere, but it's difficult to make him out in the haze of everyday life. I want desperately to know God better. I want to be consistent. Right now, the only consistency in my life is inconsistency. Who I want to be and who I am are not very close together. I don't want to be St. John of the Cross or Billy Graham. I just want to be remembered as a person who loved God, who served others more than he served himself, and he was trying to grow in maturity and stability. I've been trying to follow Christ most of my life, and the best I can do is a stumbling, blumbling, clumsy kind of following. I wake up most days with this humiliating awareness that I haven't a clue where Jesus is, even though I'm a minister, even though I think about Jesus every day of my life. My following is uh, meandering. I don't know about you, but I quite like that idea that the best I can do is a stumbling, bumbling, clumsy kind of following. That's the best I can do, and maybe it's the best that that you can do. But we will stumble and be clumsy better together than we will do as individuals, because we are better together. So we struggle together in caring, because we really do want to show people that we love them and that we care for them. We want to demonstrate that love that Jesus demonstrated. And then we gather together in worship, which is, of course, what we're doing today, and we're calling this kind of breaking and uh, shaking. And, uh, yes, sometimes there is, uh, the, there's, there's the breaking of bread. The disciples, they devote themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. And, uh, again, these were things that the apostles were devoted to, committed to. And uh, these things are important, but they're important that we do them together. And uh, there is a power in, uh, in praying together. It's good to pray on your own, in your own home and in your own room, but there is something about Christians gathering together in prayer. Jesus says, you know, wherever two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst and there is something powerful. And I think we're just kind of recapturing something that in the church. I sense that there is a, an awareness that we need in the church to encourage, not people, not put people under, under pressure and make them feel guilty, but we actually want to encourage prayer in the church so that whenever we meet together, uh, not only just in official prayer meetings, but whenever we come together, that we, uh, that we pray together. And that we are like the disciples in devoted. So they gathered together in worship, breaking and shaking. Shaking because um, everyone was filled with awe and there were many wonders that were done. And uh, people were shaken by what God was doing in their midst. Uh, they could see God at work 
in the lives of different people. So we gathered together in worship every day. They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. You know, you can praise God on your own. And I'm sure, like me, sometimes you do that. You're driving along in the car and you're singing your heart out and you suddenly realize you stopped at the lights and the person in the car next to you is just looking at you thinking, what is that person doing? What are they doing? And you're there just in your own little worship center of the car. But it's actually better, isn't it, when we come together Uh, there's a different dynamic, isn't there, as we worship together. And it was while the disciples were together that the Holy Spirit fell on them and they were all filled and they all experienced this awe and wonder as God, uh, through his Spirit, fell upon them. So we gather together in worship and we encourage people to do that. We encourage people uh, to gather in worship. On Sunday in the church... Uh, midweek in Bible studies, uh, in the monthly prayer meetings, we encourage people gathering together. It's important that we don't give up the habit of meeting together, it says in, uh, in Hebrews, and we need to remind people. And then we grow together in, in reaching, and this is about sowing and reaping. And it's interesting in, in Acts that we, that we read again and again that the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And it is a challenge, isn't it, to us as a church? You know, the challenge is if we're not adding, and when I say we, I I mean we as the church through the power of the Holy Spirit working on them. It was the Lord that added to their number. It was the Lord that added to their number. And uh, when the church is operating when the church is doing these things together, when it's taking the study of God's word seriously, when it's seriously engaging in the fellowship and the care of people, and when it's, when it's in, in, in taking seriously the prayer life of the church, it seems to me that God does something amongst the people. And it's interesting to notice that, <clears throat> that the praising God, they enjoyed the favor of all the people. In other words, people were saying, there's something about this group of people. There's something about them that is attractive. They've got something. And of course, what they had was the Holy Spirit working in them. What they had was the Holy Spirit working in them. And people still say similar things today. Maybe they've said it about you uh, in your work situation. You know, what is it about you? There's something different about you. And you can say, well, I believe that I've got the Holy Spirit in me. I'm a Christian. And... uh, In the early church, we see time and time again that phrase that the Lord added to their number. And that's what we pray for, that's what we hope for, that God will continue to add to his church as we do church together. So let's be the church together. Let's not try and be the church as individuals. Let's recognize that together we are better. We're better together. And uh, the challenge for us is to be the church. To be the church. Let's try and be the church this week. Wherever we are, let's be the church. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you have called us together. We come from so many different places, so many different backgrounds, so many different experiences, but you have called us together into your church. 
And we pray that together we can learn, that together that we can care, that together that we can come in worship, and that together that we can reach out into this community and into this world to demonstrate your love. And we do that better together. Father God, today we want to remember those people that haven't been able to meet with us. And uh, we pray that they will feel very much a part of the church. It may be ill health that's kept them away. It may be work. It may be family commitments. But whatever it is, may they know that they are part of this church. We pray for those who experience loneliness and separation and don't feel part of a community. We think today on Father's Day of uh, fathers that are separated from families, fathers that are in prison, fathers that through work are working abroad or work serving in, in armed forces and are separated from their family on this day. We pray for them that they may know your presence with them. And Father God, we want to continue to pray for those people who are struggling with health issues. And uh, we pray again for Dave Howarth and for the family. We ask that you be close to them, that you have your healing hand upon them, and that we together as a church can continue to support them. Father God, as we bring these prayers to get today, we bring them together in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.